And now another episode of Mind Escape with Michael and Maurice. Take it away, Michael. All right, folks, welcome back to Mike and Maurice's Mind Escape. We have episode number 97 today, Ancient Mysteries with the uh, Brothers of the Serpent. We're going to do a little bit of a swap cast here. Uh, you can check us out at patreon.com slash Mike and Maurice. For $2 a month, you will get some exclusive content, videos, and audio. Uh, also check us out at Mike and Maurice Mind Escape.com. And uh, we'll we'll have the uh, Brothers of the Serpent information down below the video as well. So, what's going on, guys? How are you? Hey, Doing good. Up? Glad to be here. Yeah. Glad good to have, have you guys on. Yeah. Been listening to your podcast for, uh, you guys have what, been around for a year, a little bit over a year? Yeah, a couple years. Yep. A couple years. Yeah, we're, we're, we're approaching, I think, a couple years as well now, too. I think this, this winter it'll be two years. Oh, nice. Good job. Yeah, it seems like we're pretty close in episode numbers. So, do you guys do one a week or? It depends. We've done one a week. We've done four a week. Oh, we've done wow. we get, a couple we weeks. Yes, we uh we indulge in that. So yeah. depends if we can get people or not. But yeah, we try and do one a week. We try and do at least one a week. Sometimes lately, we've been trying to do two a week. Usually Tuesdays and Thursdays. But it, it just really depends on guest schedules and if we're going to do one just the two of us or what the case may be. Yeah. So, okay. So I know this is Swapcast, so I get to ask you guys questions too. <laughs> sure. Uh, so when you, because Kyle and I actually focus a lot on just us. Like we're not a very guest heavy show. We do get guests, um, but for the yeah, most part. Some of your shows with the guests, like the Randall Carlson ones. And right. I think you've had Brian Keating on maybe. Is that, yeah. yeah, which we got after yeah, I yeah. heard him on your podcast. I was like, wow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's a good dude. Um, yeah. So I've heard some of yours that uh, we've had some similar guests on, but it was a different podcast too, which I like hearing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I was going to ask, like when you guys, are, when it's just you, uh, do you guys, do you, what, what topics do you usually discuss? Do you have a, a theme that you stay with or? You know... That depends. Um, I've been doing those slideshows lately. Yeah, when it's just the two of us. So lately, we've been. I'm going to systematically go through different time periods through the ancient world. Right now, we're just going to start with ancient Greece, just because I've been reading a lot of philosophy stuff, um, all of Plato's stuff, looking into you know, Pythagoras, all that kind of stuff. So, um, and then we'll we're going to move on to the Sophists, and then we'll go to the megalithic structures of Greece and kind of go through that. And I hope to do that with ancient Rome, ancient Egypt, ancient, you know, Acadia, Sumer. Um, so, yeah, that we, we just, uh, we try and go through all the timelines systematically. Um, but for each ancient civilization, we didn't start from the earliest, or let's say, ideally, we would have started with Gobekli Tepe and, you know, hunt, or hunter-gatherers and worked our way up to the most modern of ancient civilizations. But, uh, yeah, I just kind of got into Greek philosophy and pre-Socratic philosophy and just been looking into all that stuff. So we started there, and we're going to start working our way through all that stuff. What subjects okay. do you guys uh, concentrate on? It's, uh, you said that uh, when you're together, you try and do some of the same themes. Yeah, so we're, we're mostly mostly ancient mysteries, and we focus a lot. Kyle and I are both uh, builders, um, and we have, we have builders and engineers in our family, and builders and engineers as friends. So that's how we look at uh, a lot. We're looking at ancient civilizations through one of the only things left to us to look at, in, in some cases, which is their structures, right? 
So yeah. a lot of cases, a lot of cases, there are written word, but it, like for instance, with Sumer, it's difficult because the translations are so wonky. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even with Egypt, you can read the same, you can read the translation by four or five different guys of the same text, and it's so different. <laughs> right across those translations, that you you almost they almost have no worth. So we look at them through their structures and the mysteries of how some of these places were built and what was actually in their minds when they were doing it and why were they doing it. So we look at that a lot. We and uh, uh, other mysteries too. We we go through a lot of the mythology. Uh, we're very interested in comparative mythology. Like think of um, Hamlet's Mill kind of thing. Like yeah. why are all these myths carrying the same themes from cultures? that are separated by thousands of miles and thousands of years in some cases, you know. So uh, there's there's something deeper going on here, and that's one of the main things we explore on our podcast. So, Yeah, I mean, uh, if I had to categorize it just from what I've listened to, I'd say you guys are definitely geology, building of ancient structures, heavy ancient civilization stuff. Um, I think we focus on more of consciousness and the mind and... Um, what goes what goes into that and a lot of the surrounding subjects like psychedelics near-death experiences lucid dreaming different you know offshoots of that one main topic i mean we did start down the road like maurice was saying we did start off just doing ancient civilization stuff and um some ufo stuff uh but i don't know it just going into the show i didn't want to have one specific theme because there's a lot of shows that just have one theme and a lot of them do well but my inspiration for even doing this was um listening to joe rogan because i i would listen i like all of his episodes or most of them comedy and he has all the the top you know he had um john anthony west and robert shock and all those guys on so i wanted to do a show where it was almost like all people like that so I started reading all the books of all these people and just tried to get as many of those types of people on the show as possible because that's the subject that really interests me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you guys have done a great job with your guests. Like I remember uh, back shortly after we had started the podcast and, and I found you guys, Like I was like, man, <laughs> y'all got Laird Scranton on and all this stuff. <laughs> He's just, you guys were just pulling them one after the other. I was like, that's that's awesome. We We had spent probably like the first almost uh, the first year with like few guests or yeah or I, I should say like 30 episodes in with just us talking about stuff right and then we had it's all michael too. man he reached out and uh he got a hold of some publishing company and we kind of isn't that what happened <clears throat> well that and just i started emailing people and some people yeah. some, some people that didn't want to do it or like come back to us when you have hundred thousand followers or whatever you know right. so yeah um and that's we'll fine soon. i get that but we've, <laughs> we've we've gotten some people that i've read books uh, of these people where i found them interesting um even before we started doing this so i started reaching out to those people and if you leave like an extra touch of like hey i'm a fan i read this book this book and you, you make it known that you know what you're talking about they're more apt to come on and discuss these. yes so yeah that that episode y'all did with Laird Scranton was fascinating yeah, to me. He, I mean, I, I he's followed a smart his, dude. Yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah, he. It was just a really good interview. So well, thanks, yeah, yeah, a lot of these, a lot of these interviews, I come in with a with a fresh slate. Like Michael will read the books and stuff, and then I come in. I don't really know all that much, and it's like a massive learning session for me. It's pretty sweet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yep. So you get you you appeal to both 
both uh, types of audiences, the ones who have <laughs> done the deep dive and the ones that don't know anything about it. Yeah, numbskulls, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's me telling him things will explain. I fi- and We figured this out as we were going along. Like, me explaining things to him explains things to the audience that don't know. You know, like, obviously, you'll have your advanced people that in these set topics that have read all the books and understand all the research and everything like that so to those but people, a lot of people haven't you know that's, yeah that's yeah. just the way it is it just depends on, on who's listening but for the most part i mean we've gotten a good response you know of course there's trolls and nasty people out there but i i, I think that uh if you're being honest and you're not really trying to sell something in particular like you're not trying to push an agenda or anything like that you're just curious and want to learn i think people respond to that better as a listener than having one specific thing and making a making it a point yeah yeah well so what do you guys i mean it's hard to answer a question like what do you think about ancient civilization but what do you think about some of these mysteries like what what do you guys think about when you're looking at these uh some of these anomalous structures like Baalbek or uh, you know, of course, the pyramids are Sacsayhuaman in Peru. Like, what do you guys think about with that stuff? Um, I think the weird thing to me still is obviously ancient Egypt, the pyramids. Not that we know humans built them, but how did they build them, you know? Right. So to me, that one's still one of the greater ones in terms of there's so many different theories on how it happened. They think they have a good idea, but that's flip-flop back and forth over time um ballbacks weird those they obviously chiseled those out i kind of look at those like the like an obelisk though like because people question how could they have gotten the obelisk out of the ground well they had what is it diorite or dolomite blocks and they would pound them out like stones like that they have the marks still of the one that's still stuck in the ground um and then they would polish them off um so i look at uh uh which Baalbek, similar to that, and I think that that's probably along the lines of what was going on there, in my opinion. But I don't. I mean, those are so heavy; it's it's impossible to really know. Um, yeah, I think that some of those, the heaviest stone ones, are the ones that are anomalous to me, because even the pyramid, the blocks are what, like one to two tons, something like yeah, that. Yeah, on average, on yeah. average, yeah. There so are ones that are very heavy and that are the granite blocks of the king's chamber the interior chambers are very heavy blocks usually but yeah the the, what makes up the core of the structure the limestone is usually one to two tons on average so i mean that's heavy but that's nothing like a hundred tons or a thousand tons so right um and then they at Baalbek didn't they find another one that's some uh underneath the what's it the stone of the pregnant woman or something is that yes. what it's called so there's one underneath it that they found as well that's even bigger than that they haven't really excavated it completely but it's 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 a lot bigger yeah 1680 tons right. by estimate that's crazy damn. ridiculous <laughs> so i mean to answer who was qu- planning to move that <laughs> to answer your question i believe that humans did all this stuff i mean if you look at the ones in peru saxe woman and um Pumu Punku and all those ones, I th- I think it's impressive, but I think humans did it. I, oh yeah, yeah. How long ago? I think that's the thing that's up for debate, and that's why people like Ram Hancock, Robert Shock, you know, all those guys are popular, especially right now, is because it's it's definitely coming out as more and more things. You know, even people that don't pay attention to it, our cousin Rob, who just got into this kind of stuff's like oh did you see this interview or did you see that you know they just found these bones of this proving that the denisovans were over here and this and that and i'm like 
yeah, that's, I mean, it's, that's why I think Ram Hancock's ahead of the curve a little bit, uh, you know, so. Yep. Yeah. And I think, uh, so with us, it's never a question of did humans do it? Uh, we're not asked, we're not talking about aliens or anything like that. But but I, what I meant by that was just that, um, how old though, you know, are we talking, because some people yeah. even think that thirty thousand years ago, which I mean, I guess anything's possible, but I would be- I would bet against that timeline. Well, um, anatomically modern humans have been around for at least two hundred thousand years. So right. Well, that's the mm-hmm. question: is when did the the building when, commence? You know, when did when right. did we start doing all this stuff? What was the inspiration? And did was there some younger Dryas impact for sure that wiped? most of the the uh the planet out who knows yeah there have been bottlenecks in the population that i mean we know that for sure too that's been exactly. demonstrated pretty pretty w- pretty well scientifically and the younger dryas was probably one of them not as big of a bottleneck as some earlier ones that took us down to you know Lake toba a or that volcanic eruption in indonesia that they said they wiped out everybody except for five to ten thousand people or something yeah yeah and randall and other people like him ask like was the that volcanic eruption eruption the cause or a result of something else so he thinks that there might have even been an impact then or something yeah yeah something else because the volcanic you know enormous volcanic eruptions like that are usually preceded by something else like there's something that causes that kind of instability could have been some right, right. radical plate shifting to something like that. Um, exactly. You get cru- you get enormous cracks in the crust that results in like outpouring. Almost, it's not really a volcano. It's outpouring of magma from the from beneath the crust. You sure. Know? So you, it causes the traps they call you know, or the and the big basalt plates that cover that are in some cases forty meters thick and cover like uh, two thirds of the United States or whatever. You know, it's right. there are just these huge pouring out of basaltic lavas that and you're like okay where did this come from what what caused this to start and yes it kills everything but was that the actual cause of all the deaths or was this just part of what was going on a bigger picture basically right yeah so i mean yeah i mean i think we're on the same page with i mean i listened to your show like i said before too so I think we're on the same page in terms of what's going on with, with all these ancient civilizations. But to point out, I want to go back. We were talking about our shows. I wanted to mention about your show. The thing I about, like about your show that I also like about other podcasts that I listen to is that you guys have like little segments that you do. You know, you do a little bit of news. You do, oh, yeah. uh, you know, you have your own little subjects and little categories of things that you do and i like that i, I think that's that's a good way to build it's a audience. Well put together yeah. show. it's well put together it's organized and i usually the shows i listen to they have diff- different little segments like i like tiger belly which is bobby lee's comedy podcast and they've got like little different things that they do so i think it's the uh I, I, that's what I like listening to. So I think you guys did a good job heading down that road. And I know it's natural too, because those are just things you were interested in too. So that's good. Yeah. And thank the, you. Yeah. Thank you. And the, the segment thing, actually, there's a funny story with that. So we do this, we call it the tangent cube. It's a 10 foot by 10 foot shed pre-built. Mm-hmm. You know, you bought, you go to home Depot and you're like, I want that 10 by 10 shed <laughs> and they deliver it to your house and, and set it up for you, you know, wherever you want. Mm-hmm. So that, that's what we're doing. We build a studio in here. Um, and, and when we first started doing the podcast, we got an air conditioning unit that's up on the wall, but the fir- when we first started it, it was just a, a window unit that we had sort of mounted in there. It was enormously loud. So 
we couldn't have it running while we were recording because it was just right, in the background, right. you know. So <laughs> we had it's to take a break here. Yeah, we had to take a break every thirty minutes to turn the thing on and cool it back down in here before we keep going because otherwise you're sweating like crazy. Oh, I so see. That was yeah. one of the yeah. That was one of the origins of the thirty minute segments <laughs> that we do. They give us time to cool everything off and. You know. Yeah, and then we ended up thinking, like, actually, this this works really well because we have a tendency to go off on tangents. Yeah, that's why it's Tangent Cube. Yeah, <laughs> so so we take that thirty minute break, and then we were like, well, where are we going with this? And we'll we'll have a little inside baseball talk. You know, it's like, okay, yeah, that that's that's what we should talk about. Yeah. So we come back on, and then we're we're reoriented. Yeah. And so it ended up like helping to organize the shows, and then of course, all of the. All of this, like within the segments organization, like the news parts and stuff in the beginning, that just sort of came out organically. Yeah, that evolved over time. Oh, I like that. That's that's good that's stuff. Sweet. Yeah, that's like just embracing problems and mistakes and making it, you know, work for you. I like that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly right. So, also, yeah, and, so my question ahead. though was, in you guys, what, what was the inspiration for your the Brothers of the Serpent name and like the logo? I know. That logo is the obviously the snake eating its own tail. Uh, I'm one yeah. of my other buddies uses it for something else that he does. He runs another uh, website called Tail Eaters, but <laughs> great. When, when, no, I mean, whatever. It's 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 different colors and stuff. It's it, but, yeah. No, I mean that name is awesome. I'm just saying. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. There's no metaphor here. But, right. but my question is like, what was the inspiration behind that? Okay, so. Uh, have you re- uh, there's a book called Gods of Eden by William Bramley. Yeah, yeah I've read I it. I think I've got the PDF yeah. on my my phone. Yeah, so he talks about the brotherhood of the serpent in that book. Uh, as a and this is something that's referenced elsewhere too, but th- that was sort of the inspiration for it is that the brotherhood of the serpent is a uh, and Graham talks about he doesn't name them, but Graham Hancock talks about a monastic order whose job it has been to carry forward uh, advanced information throughout the ages and across cataclysms and then re-inject them into civilization, right? Mm-hmm. So, Bramley calls that the brotherhood of the serpent, mm-hmm. and the serpent being an ancient reference to knowledge, okay? So, the, the, it's a symbol right. of knowledge. And, of course, the Ouroboros is an alchemist symbol. Randall talks about this quite a bit. Uh, but if you see Ouroboros somewhere on some structure, you know they're telling you Okay, there are... There's hermetic, hermetic knowledge or whatever yes, you know. Yes, hermetic wisdom encoded into the symbols in this building or in this structure or in this painting or whatever. Okay? So, all of those... All of the symbology and the name all, all come back to that is what we're trying to do is carry forward the work uh, and, and try to understand what's happening with history hmm. uh, and sort of perpetuate the truth, which, is the, which was the job of the Brotherhood. Uh, yeah. They don't always... Yeah, so they don't always do it right, and Bramley gets the idea in his book that they seem to have been corrupted, but there are still positive elements within the Brotherhood today. Uh, you know, that, uh, the way he talks about it, he's like he calls it the Brotherhood. Whoever this secret cabal is that's going around in the background, doing things like causing wars and uh, m- making destruction happen. But there's also, but that's because it was corrupted way back in the past, mm. way way back in the past, and now so now it's kind of split into two factions. There are the the brothers that are the original brotherhood that are still trying to do what they were supposed to do, and then there's the other part of it that have now like basically gone to the dark side. So that's a pretty sweet name, and I like the background story. That's that's a, that was a good pull, and I've seen some weird shit though having to do with the serpent. I a couple times in meditation, a couple times 
during psilocybin experiences, I've seen this multicolored yeah. rainbowish serpent kind of just swirling around doing some stuff. So I think that there's something obviously to it. There, there's a reason why you see hieroglyphs and ancient, you know, cave drawings and different things that have serpents. And it's obviously a fascination and symbology wise for what fertility and different things. So, right. um, yeah, that's, that's pretty sweet. Um, there's also, there's also the, uh, tendency throughout mythology for, uh, civilizer gods, quote unquote, civilizer, quote unquote, gods to be named in some way or another after the service. So Quetzalcoatl was the feathered serpent. Yeah, I was right. just going to say that. He shows yeah. up and does what? He teaches them how to have civilization. Same thing with Viracocha in, in South America. Viracocha is all throughout their most ancient myths. Right. And he supposedly shows up in a powered boat. Yeah, you know, we, we, we talked about that. Um, was it that sacred it, mushroom? Yeah. Our sacred mushroom ritual uh, episode, we had an author on, Tom Lane, who wrote a book about his experiences going down to Mexico and South America and partaking in sacred mushroom, ri- sacred mushroom oh, rituals mushroom. with like Maria Sabina, who's like a famous uh, curandera. Yeah, he and, actually preferred these mushrooms over the ayahuasca. He said it, that this was the, but the, it, uh, yeah. the real deal here. But his book is called um, uh, A Quest for Quetzalcoatl. No, yeah, well, no, it's, it's called Sacred Mushroom Rituals, uh, The Search for the Blood of Quetzalcoatl. Uh-huh. And when you do the this specific mushroom ritual you meet quetzalcoatl and it's like a million diamond serpent that comes and there's a special way that you eat the mushrooms where they're still living and still in the the little you like suck on them with a wasp uh, honey yeah wow and the the, the wasp honey like helps it activate and you i don't even think you swallow it don't you just suck on it until you start tripping yeah i don't i don't know exactly i forget the exact it's it's on our i think it's episode or part three that we did with him, but yeah, he yeah, said you suck on it and then you 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 feel your uh, your spinal cord like turn into a snake and then you're, you oh, you lose, lose yourself. It's pretty interesting though if you right. have the time, check that bad boy out. Yeah, he oh, yeah. Uh, and, but he's a wealth of knowledge with like Mesoamerican mythology and stuff too. So, but oh, we were talking and I didn't he didn't un, he didn't her, have heard of Viracocha and how that correlates to. Uh, Kupulkan and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah Kupulkan, Quetzalcoatl, yeah. Um, but in Viracocha, doesn't that translate to foam of the sea? I believe yes. that's, yeah. So. Yep. But he's also associated with the serpent. And so was Ea slash Inki of the uh, Sumer, Akkadian, Babylonian civilization. He's, uh, there, he's con- constantly imaged and referred to as the serpent. Right. Uh, and I mean, the serpent is also in like, you know, if you want to get biblical old Testament, uh, there's, there's serpent images and I'm not talking about not just the garden of Eden's classic serpent, but that is part of the story, right? What was the serpent doing in the, in the garden? Trying to give knowledge, right? Well, yeah, I mean, that's the Gnostic. Yeah, that's the Gnostic version. I in the biblical version, he's, he's evil. Well, yeah, but, but what is he doing in the biblical version? Even in the, even in the evil still, biblical that's version, true. he's like a tree of knowledge. That's yeah, true. That's tree true. Of the fruit of knowledge, and he's saying, "Hey, take of the fruit of the tree of knowledge." Right. right. He's like, "Hey, you don't have to be dumb." You so know, it's this, this weird this fruit. dichotomy then that you have yes. between Gnosticism, which you can look at like the Gnostic Gospels, and you could see that there's actually maybe even a little bit more truth in them than perhaps parts of the Bible. But I don't know. I've looked into Gnosticism pretty in-depth um 
and read the Gospels. Elaine Pagel's written a, more than a few books on the subject. Uh, that's some interesting stuff too. But yeah, I like the serpent idea, and it's a it's it's a weird part of humanity. Yeah, it is. Also because of why are children afraid of pictures of snakes, and why are um, why is it so prevalent throughout ancient civilizations? Why is it still people have super crazy you know phobias of it to this day but then you also have these knowledge seekers and these people looking into esoteric things and it's the completely opposite thing it represents good and and knowledge so it's there's also there's also the uraeus of the egyptian you know pharaonic headdress has the snake coming out of the forehead symbolizing enlightenment i mean like this is the symbol is, is replete throughout the ancient world not being an evil thing, but symbolizing knowledge slash understanding slash enlightenment. There's the kundalini. You were just talking about your spine turning into a snake. That sounds right. exactly like kundalini awakenings. Uh, that's you know that's Hindu Eastern more Eastern stuff. So I and, and the, so the other play on the words of the brothers of the serpent podcast versus the brotherhood of the serpent is that we are actually brothers, right? Okay. So we and we grew cousins. up with each, <laughs> yeah we grew up with each other. Talk. Oh great. All right. Yeah. Keeping in the family. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so we grew up with each other talking about this stuff, and um, I mean, we haven't always talked about ancient mysteries, but we've always sort of had this kind of banter going back and forth between us about any interesting thing we discuss. And then when we started getting into the ancient mysteries, we started having these long, crazy conversations. You know, the whole like solving the world's problems conversations. Except for it's in the middle of the night, going, "What the were they aliens making these things?" You know, so <laughs> where's the tape recorder? Right. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. So, one so day what you're like, saying is you guys believe in reptilians. And, uh, <laughs> danger noodles. Yes. Uh, is what we call them. We are danger noodles. <laughs> and uh, yes, we do shed skins on a monthly basis. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, we d- you don't have to believe in reptilians when you are reptilians. Right. Right. Uh, Shape shifting, and you know. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a that's a pretty sweet story. It sounds somewhat similar to ours you know just being cousins hanging out all the time smoking a little herb yeah and some talks and kind of ballooned into something bigger so exactly that's great yeah we we, uh well we actually when we first started he didn't even want to do it (laughs) i kind of got him (laughs) to do it i had this notebook i had this notebook of like all this (laughs) i had this notebook of all this research and notes that I had taken from books that I've read and just connecting dots to of certain things. And he goes, why don't we call it Maisie's notebook? And he was going to be like the young Jamie typer, I guess for you, it would be like the watcher or whatever, but maybe even oh, yeah. pre- present, you know? Um, and then we started doing, I'm like, no, just do it. And we started having these conversations and it just kind of led to where this is now, where it is what it is. We play off of each other, but at the same time, I'm the one, I guess when we're since we're, talk- well, we're since we're talking about symbols, if you look at this, I designed our symbol and, um, yeah, you guys are clearly Illuminati. <laughs> talking about You're talking about That's us. What my roommate thing. No, no, but, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> uh, so obviously the all seeing eye of God, but I, I, what I mean, I mean, if you look at our logo, it's completely split in half. It's duality. It's, yeah, we have night and day, and I'm the one searching for the light, and he's the one in the darkness that I'm gonna show the light to. And sometimes <laughs> I get crazy with stuff, and he's gonna show me the light, you know. So that kind of a symbolism is what we were going for. At least I was going. But yeah, for. it's it's pretty funny. A lot of these symbols have been just beaten up and made so evil. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, 
like the black cat. I think that was actually like a sign of good luck back in the day. And then all that right. witching stuff. It's 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 interesting, especially in America. It's pretty interesting, but yeah, it is it is weird how the how the meanings of the symbols can change over time or the way people interpret them. I guess not mm-hmm. not necessarily the the original meaning, but they. Uh, like the serpent, right? We were just talking about that. It's like when you're growing up, you're always looking at this symbol as like, especially if you're raised Christian, it's like, oh, that's evil, mm-hmm. it's bad or whatever. Uh-huh. Uh, but there is something, you know, strange about snakes too. So they're interesting. You're kind of like, whoa, you want to like check it out, but you also want to stay away from it. We used to yeah. catch snakes. Yeah. yeah, we used to love them as kids. Yeah, we used to yeah. catch yeah. them all the time. Yeah, yeah we caught snakes too. too. Yeah, but it's but it's very similar to knowledge, right? If you get it, you have to be very careful, and it they you can never really tame them. They will always leave. If yeah. you, you know what I'm saying? They're, they're going to choose to well, go. Look at boas and all those, those things will kill your dog and your babies. If you let them out of the cage, <laughs> exactly. you know, but they might have fun sitting on your arm or something and right. they won't do anything, but then you don't know what they're going to do sneaking out in the middle of the night. So. Snakes are never having fun yeah. unless they're killing something and eating. Right. Well, I mean, like, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure boas just look at people as like, you know, they're, they're warm. It's Possible like squishy. It's yeah. Well, it's like you are, you are a storage of meat that is also warm. Yeah. Right. right? You are a future meal that right now is keeping me hot. Yeah. That's yeah. what they, <laughs> but the point <laughs> is, and, and only, only we would take them as pets. That's, All right. That's the thing. We got to show our dominance, you know, <laughs> <laughs> the point is, is that, that you can kind of see the interesting, uh, like the correlation there with, with knowledge. Knowledge is a similar thing. Like you, if you're going to seek it and then you gain it, it's powerful. Yep. It can kill you. Yep. It can harm it's people, dangerous. or you can use it to. You see what I'm saying? Like it depends on what you choose to do with it. Yeah. Handle with care, for sure. Yeah. I think the so. path of enlightenment is somewhat depressing, to be honest with you. At least from <laughs> my. No, I'm being honest. At least from my point of view. Um, That's I, pretty dark, bro. Yeah. No, I mean, but what I what I mean by that is that the more you know, the less mystical or I don't know, magical things that are out there if you're really looking. And I, when, we talked about this last episode. I think that there is this true gap or true fringe of weird weirdness and weird things and mysteries and ancient mysteries and consciousness-based mysteries and all sorts of mysteries. But it's the window is a lot smaller than I thought it was when we first started, if that makes sense. So from reading all these books, talking to all these experts, talking to different people, yeah, we've had some people that I don't agree with on or don't buy into what they're saying but at the same time we've met enough people and and stuff that i feel like there is this true fringe or this true gray area that exists in reality and uh, exists in consciousness it's just a lot more narrow than i would have thought so it's kind of depressing in in a way and i don't mean like oh poor me it's just (laughs) the the more you know you said it's a powerful thing and it is a powerful thing in the sense that you have to kind of keep putting it into perspective because if you don't it kind of gets away from you and you're kind of like oh well what am i even doing this for so Hmm, that's interesting i I, so my experience has been like the i I feel like I, I should st- talk about like what originally happened before I really started deep diving into the into the mysteries. Mm. Is that I thought everything seemed sort of dull then because sure. I thought that science had basically figured all this stuff out and the standard model had it all written right. into a big manual. You know, and it, it was just accepting 
the the ideas that that the standard model science education sort of puts out there like hey this is the way the world is right and, it's and then not. if you start <laughs> yeah if you start deep diving into it, it you have to like really destroy a bunch of, of your own paradigms and that opens up the possibilities you know what that, that there really are mysteries that there really is something you know mysterious about the universe and and in so many fields of science and in so many areas of 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 research there's just so many unanswered questions and the more you dive into it you realize like oh my god this question leads to another question which leads to another so i kind of had um that that's sort of what happened to me and it, it made the universe more fascinating but at the same time i also struggled with um somewhat of a depressing aspect of it which was which was like wow everything that i that i thought i knew is is wrong (laughs) Mm. Yeah, (laughs) no, it's an interesting perspective. Actually, now that you say that, I can put my finger on it. So I guess what I was trying to say is this, is that you're right. I I agree with you 100%. Same thing, went to high school, went to college for a little bit. I didn't graduate college. But going through that process, I I didn't really care at that time. And then as I got older, I like wanted to know more things. So I started doing this personal knowledge quest and just going crazy on books and research and videos and all sorts of different stuff. And what it is, is that I feel like humans don't know as much as we think we know. And that by looking at the mind, studying the mind, reading all the research, reading all the consciousness stuff, that a lot of this is illusion. And there is mysteries out there and we don't know nearly as much as we think we do. But that's kind of depressing to me that there's not somebody out there that has the answers or there's not somebody out there that really knows what the hell is going on. So I guess Uh, that's the aspect that I'm trying to talk about is that. I wish that there were this secret organization or group that you could join and just get all the, not all the answers, but have a better grasp on things. There right. is, man. We're using the symbol for them. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So. I thought, but, okay, that I thought makes, that's why we're talking to you guys. You guys aren't that group? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The podcast is over. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I, that, that makes more sense to me for sure. I, I get that. And I, you know, uh, Russ is one of these people who's like, you know, he loves to look, find questions. And he's like, look at this. This is unexplainable. All right, okay, moving on. Looking at another <laughs> one, this is totally unexplainable. Yeah. And I'm the private person that's like, wait a minute, I want to stop and, like, work on this puzzle for a while and try to find a solution. Right. So yeah. that, like, I have this urge to do that, to really just, like, oh, I'm going to figure it out. Yeah. Uh, he wants to take it apart and yeah. figure out how it works and then put it back together and it doesn't work anymore. <laughs> so... <laughs> So in that sense, like, like I'm kind of like you, where I, I want to find, well, are, is there some body of knowledge or is there a group of people or have there been people in the past who have claimed to to uh, figured something out, like Tesla, for example. I love looking into Tesla's research and mm-hmm. taking his ideas and trying to, you know, trying to compare them to the standard model of physics and whatnot and see, like, is, is the stuff he's talking about real? Did he perhaps discover you know something amazing and like or many amazing things in terms of physics uh that i could possibly tap into and figure out myself that would be awesome so i i am i am also looking for those answers but i think the the thing that impacted me the most was that i had accepted the standard model basically saying no all that stuff's impossible Mm -hmm. and so when i realized that there were so many uns- unanswered questions, and especially in terms of physics and science, 
uh, that opened up the possibilities where I had thought all those doors were closed. Hmm. So it made the pursuit of these mysteries more interesting rather than just like a fool's errand, you know, because, oh yeah, it's just, it's total BS. There's no reason to even look into it. I also think that the, now this is like, I don't, this is going to sound a little, I don't know. I don't know what the word is, but this, but basically the answer is that you need to be able to ask questions. That is the answer. In other Mm -hmm. words, the path to follow is the path of questions. Right, and so so like the first step, like Kyle's talking about, is getting rid of the idea that there are answers sure. that can be gained, and once yeah. you've done that, that is, in a paradoxical way, the answer, because once you have realized that answers aren't what you're going for, really, what you're going for are the right questions, then suddenly all these paths open up, and you know you can approach answers that don't. Uh, there isn't ever really an answer to stuff. Mm-hmm. So, right. so you can, you, but by asking all the correct questions or learning that, you know, learning that there's a way to do that or to, to, to narrow down questions until you're asking the right ones or the best ones, maybe not right, maybe right is the wrong way to say it, but better questions. So you're working your way down a path of questions constantly. And, and each one of those questions leads you to information that leads to more questions, right? Mm-hmm. And that is the answer to that that does show you like almost immediately that everything has much more meaning than it seems to have sure. and also what you were saying that a lot of stuff is illusion including the idea that we pretty much got the universe figured out we just need to feel it, fill in the details right right that's a huge illusion it's completely false so like i like to jokingly say that like the only people who think that they understand stuff are people that know absolutely nothing about it mm-hmm. right because the more you learn about something the more you understand we don't know anything about this yet exactly so, that's that's <laughs> it right there that's why plato thought the only person worthy of being king was socrates because he knew what he didn't know right <laughs> that's right the wise um, man that he knows nothing yeah uh that's interesting and, and we talked a little bit about this last episode too when we were talking about lucid dreams but i think when you look at language and you look at writing those two things are basically creating reality or creating consciousness because once you start memorizing those things you're building this whole world and even science is just a built built up scaffolding of this this thing that we're all participating in but there we're giving purpose to something that didn't even exist before us if that makes sense so to say that's objective truth to me is false because it, there's no way that could be objective truth. We created it. Right. We're, we're this observer, if you will, and we don't know anything else for sure. Maybe something created us, maybe not. Maybe there was just some sort of Big Bang thing that happened, which is the academic model, and that gets, you know, as you mentioned, there's different versions of that. There's the Big Bounce. There's there's all sorts of di- 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 the multiverse theory, you know, so you can go on and on and on with all that. Um, but it's this weird thing I, I think about lately where just language and communication with other people is what's building. It's almost like the Sims, you know, you see <laughs> if you're a character in the Sims and once you start talking to somebody it builds that into the game and then more people get added and the more people get added and pretty soon it's this collective thing. So I'm not a big simulation guy either. I, I, I can be convinced if there's more compelling argument or a more compelling uh, theory or argument or, something or to evidence. have to do with that but or evidence yeah but 
Um, yeah, that's just my thought on it. I've just been looking into ancient philosophy and ancient religions and stuff. It just seems like a lot of this stuff is just our creation, which is great. I think it's awesome. And we're obviously inspired by something, but I think we know far less than we think we do. And I think that sometimes I think we're just, you know, spinning our own wheels, but that's just my opinion. I try to stay away from that type of thinking because it's kind of toxic, but. And maybe yeah. there are things that we might never know. That's the that's the bottom line. Well, I've come to grips with that. There's a that is. <laughs> it's hard to come to grips with. That. Yeah. <laughs> that is yeah. that is a bottom line for sure. Uh, the acceptance of perpetual mystery is a big a big part of this. Yeah. Uh, which is why, like, you know, I had to look. Like when I started diving into a lot of this stuff, I was looking for answers too. You know, and I went down mm-hmm. all kinds of different rabbit holes that a lot of people go down the same path. Uh, but eventually what I learned was that what's more interesting, because there are never answers, you know, you follow some rabbit hole and, it, and, it, and, and instead of having an end with a sign that says answer A for this rabbit hole is blah, 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 blah. Instead, mm-hmm. it's sort of, it's sort of, it either, it either vanishes into a weird forest of no, of, of no rabbit hole, like suddenly you're in a forest and you're just lost amongst the mm-hmm. trees and you don't even know where the path is, or it turns into a million little rabbit holes that you could never follow, mm-hmm. right? And that's when I started to learn the value of the question rather than the, uh, than, than looking for answers. And so I started looking for questions. Because looking, you know, like looking for questions is opening up the possibility, basically. Um, yeah, I like that. Yeah. Like, l- let's look for better questions, you know. And, and having a question about something acknowledges that there is a mystery there. And that, a lot of times, is the first battle that you have with people you talk to about this kind of stuff. They're like, oh, they know how they built the pyramids. You're like, no, they freaking don't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? It's your guys. Well, here's a, here's a question for you. Do you, uh, do you guys have a favorite ancient structure? Oh. Wow. <laughs> I know, it's, it's um, tough, but there's got to be something that either popped up or it was the first it's one. It's a real Maury special right there, folks. You heard it, for, you heard it first. <laughs> Stumped. Podcast over. Bam. Uh, I know well, it's like saying, you know, what's your favorite movie, but there's yeah. always something that pops up to your mind or My something that has Maurice, like, what's like, your favorite color impact on you. <laughs> but I think I've answered this question before, actually, and I can't remember <laughs> what it was. Like, yeah. uh, I think I think they change over time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. The song. Right, you know, right. Uh, for for a long time, you know, it was the Great Pyramid because I was in that rabbit hole of like looking at all of the the you know interesting math that was involved in the in the geometry um all of the interesting aspects of the interior and what you know what would be the purpose of this thing it's just it's just an endless mystery and now and now even you know with the with the um muon scans and stuff that they're doing the uh, scan pyramids project they they've they've now they just had a story where they've confirmed yeah that additional chamber that they thought they found with the first muon scan you know, so it's now been confirmed it, in multiple ways. Yes, yeah. now it's been confirmed in multiple ways. There is another chamber, and it's above, bigger than they thought. <laughs> yeah, and it's yeah. above the, the the grand gallery, and it's it extends out towards the the main entrance to the descending passage on the exterior of the pyramid, slightly above that. And that is just you know, once again, it's like here That's we go. Badass. This thing is this thing is going to be revealing even more secrets. Um, so that is that is probably like one of my all time favorite ancient structures, but. Um, you know the the stuff we had talked about before. Baalbek is you know it's almost like Baalbek is more interesting because of the quarry, right? And and just the fact that this you know the the Trilithon stones over there at Baalbek, 
it's the came it's the, from that core. It's the, it's yeah. that whole group of thing. It's not so much like wow, this structure is amazing. It's in in that scenario, that's a favorite because of the seemingly impossible nature of how to get those stones over there without a road or without any so infrastructure. Do you think the Romans are? Do you think the Romans built nah. that or no? No. Not not the Trilithon. The the well, it's they built the yeah. Temple of Jupiter right. for sure. What's right. fascinating about Baalbek is the platform, not all the stuff that's built on top of the platform. Yeah. Right, right, right. Even though that stuff is also interesting, Jupiter it, is enormous. And if you look at if you look at the platform from Google Earth, it kind of looks a lot like the Temple of Man. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a guy holding something. It looks like he's holding a man bag. So yeah. who do you think built it then? Or a beer mug or something? Uh, no idea. And what's also interesting is that thing that he's holding. What you know, like you said, beer mug or man bag or whatever. That's where we call those ancient. We call those ancient handbags. Yeah, that's where the temple of Bacchus is, and Bacchus is the god of wine. So it's telling you something, right? Mm -hmm. Bacchus. So so they built Bacchus on top of the man bag, right? So it's like water of life. It's something. Something's going on there. Spirits. I don't know. It's an interesting. So but, yeah, I don't. I I think um, I kind of agree with with Graham Hancock's take on it that the that the um, original, like that these these structures that we see that we can definitely say the Romans built these structures. They were just just like in so many other ancient structures, newer, more recent cultures came along, found these ancient foundations or something, some ancient structure or ancient work there, and they built on top of it. They revered it. They may have. Uh, tried to restore it as much as they could, clean it off, whatever, and 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 build there. Like, I think it's, I, I mean, to me, it seems pretty obvious. But of course, I'm not a scholar of all of that work. It's just I, you know, the people, the arguments that I've looked at, and especially the ones that Graham lays out, seem pretty obvious that that the Romans found that area and then went and built on. And if you look back at like the Epic of Gilgamesh. They talk about going to that area, yep. you know, the in in the in the land of the cedars or whatever, and which mm-hmm. is in the same area as as, as Baalbek, where Humbaba was, you know, the guardian of the of the city of the gods or whatever that they had to go fight and all this. I mean, that's like ridiculously ancient, mm-hmm. way you know. Yeah, and that Humbaba was there guarding the buried structures of the right. And so when when Gilgamesh or whatever <laughs> when Gilgamesh and Enkidu are making their, like, after they, I, I can't remember if it was before or after they killed Humbaba, I think it was after. Yeah. They start digging up all the all the cedars by the roots and pulling them up, and they start uncovering these these ancient structures under there with massive stones, and yeah, it's uh, clearly, ancient yeah. giants were buried there and stuff, and you're just like, yeah, okay, Baldeck. <laughs> yeah, it's Baldeck. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Yeah, and I mean, there's another platform, you know, the, the, uh, the Temple Mount is also a platform, just like Baldeck, has right. enormous blocks down in the base of it. It's It's... Seems like it was built by the same people, whoever they were, a long, long time ago. And it's been built on top of ever since, just like the Temple Mount has structures that have been built on it for thousands of years. It's, you know. What so. about uh, the Parthenon? I mean, isn't that uh, in Greece? Yes, and the Parthenon and the Colosseum, they all are also built on top of older, older things. But I think the they, Parthenon specifically oh, yeah. has a crazy large foundation block, too, that's similar to Baalbek in size, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and there are also like enormous, uh, multi-level sets of catacombs and tunnels and things underneath mm-hmm. those structures that that some of them are older than, you know. It's yeah. it's and hard to tell when that when the, when when very sophisticated later cultures have occupied the spot. It's almost impossible to tell what was done when and where, why, sure. and who. 
yeah know? yeah well we do it like, to this day somebody's got to buys a ranch and hey let's put an addition on or let's you know rebuild yeah. the house so yeah or look, look at the look at the um urban exploration people that do stuff in london or in paris you know they go down into these they go down into the sewer systems, the modern sewer systems, and then they end up in older sewer systems, and then they find like an entire Victorian theater down there. Yeah, that's crazy. A movie theater that was lost, right? How do you mm-hmm. lose a freaking theater? <laughs> you know, and then you keep they keep going and they find and they get into older tunnels and these are now like, you know, medieval period and they get older ones and now they're looking at Roman stuff, you know, it's like, okay, the, the, it's the same thing with our cities now, just like you said. Right. So uh, but going back to the favorite structure uh, question. I am fascinated with Gunung Padang uh, in Indonesia, and that's because it's still a giant mystery. They they did those tests and they got dates that were like twenty five to thirty thousand years old, and then all work stopped. You know, the archaeologists came in and were like, "No," and got the government to shut it down. <laughs> and it's been in limbo ever since. And I'm just like, ah. Yeah, I think that that, that one's definitely a mystery. <laughs> I think though that one could go either way. I think that one's like. Um, obviously there's stuff that people did there, but is the whole thing, this giant pyramid? I don't know. I would, I would well, have to see. Yeah. It's not a pyramid. I, that's or a structure. Yeah. It's a structure. Yeah. I, I, I'm same thing with those I, Bosnian pyramids, right? Yeah. Well, okay. The Bosnian pyramids, I have a harder time with, uh, I, I, I think that what we're looking at there is probably like, um, human modification of existing. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's what I was going to say is that in many cases, like even, even the great pyramid of Egypt is not all built. Yeah, I mean, they dug the passages down below the base level of the pyramid, and there's so it's like there, you know, there was an original sort of uh, primeval mound there, mound there that they <laughs> built it over, and, and then you know the Sphinx is the same way. There's the yarding sticking out of the ground that they carved, and then they dug out the Sphinx. So it's sort of a combination of building and modifying natural features, right? Yeah, so so it's you know in one way you could look at the Sphinx and say, well, that's just natural stone formation, mm. right? Well, it's been it's just been modified. It, it, no one stacked any blocks up to make the Sphinx. Well, right, but they so, they quarried around the Sphinx to build the Sphinx Temple with those blocks, and that's why. Yes, and that's where you see that water erosion, which is the big you know topic of debate when you talk about the Sphinx is how old yeah. is the Sphinx, and there's you got the people that say it's. 5,000 years old then you have the people that say oh no no it's couldn't it's it's way older than that it's 10,500 and then you've got the people John Anthony West oh it could be 30,000 years old um so with that I I I tend to agree that it's probably older than thought but who knows and then you got to look at the layers of shoal and how that plays into that I don't, if if you look at like the geology because i've gotten a couple of fights with people on reddit and they'll send me a bunch of <laughs> shit to read so then i'm reading like all this academic stuff on top of all the alternative stuff on top of all the mainstream stuff so it's yeah just, been there yeah, there's a lot of stuff on it that's for sure yeah, yeah. The, the the thing that i like to point out about the uh, the sphinx dating is that you know just taking robert shock's work on the sphinx you know as an as you know a, a pretty decent authority on uh, geological erosion, specifically soft rock erosion. Right. Yeah, he says, you know, he uh, uh, John Anthony West has said that he's put the most quote unquote conservative dating on it, and it's mm. you know he's thinking it's going to be older than the pyramid, you know, perhaps twelve thousand years old. Um, but typically in geology, a conservative date for erosion or stone, natural stone is 
older. The long date. one. Yeah, so so <laughs> a, a conservative date would be further back hmm. than... You know, so if they try to say, "Well, this is much younger," that would be the opposite of a conservative. Right. Right. That would that would make you're talking about mad. conservative in terms of academic thought as opposed to conservative of the way geology works. That's what I'm talking those about. Are, yeah, so, those are both academic thought. Right. right the, so. the, the academic thought in in geology is that these things take extremely long periods of time. So a conservative date on an age of erosional features would be the older date. Right. No, but what Whereas, I meant was uh, conservative in the sense of trying to appease the people that yes, write the books, yes. is what I okay, meant. Well, yeah, you, you can't rewrite the, the text, standard model, right. but not yes. the standard model of geology. That's right. what I'm trying to say. He's, he's It's conservative for the archaeology, but not right. conservative for the geology, right. right? which is weird, right? So it's, it kind of tells you, it's like, okay, well, he's not wanting to make too many waves, but he's he's willing to go out on a limb <laughs> and upset the, the archaeologists, I so find it's that sort of fascinating. Like a, yeah, and I find it fascinating that there's so many of these people, these academics, that let's say they're anthropologists or archaeologists. A lot of those people just have art history backgrounds. They they don't right. have geology backgrounds. So we're going to have these people study pyramids and stone and stonework and different things. Why wouldn't you have a mason or why wouldn't you have exactly. somebody that's familiar with those processes? You know? Engineers, masons, geologists, Architects, physicists. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, mathematicians. Yeah, uh, but I agree with that that they're they're not specialized in that, and they're very. Uh, and I guess this is true in most academic fields, but they're very jealous of their, you know, of their particular bailiwick. They don't want you coming in. They get really mad mm-hmm. if someone from an outside discipline comes in and says, "Well, based on my discipline, everything you said about this is completely wrong," and now I have all this hard evidence about that. They right. don't like that. Right. They don't like that. And so, so if like Kyle was saying, it's interesting that shock. They say shock took a conservative date for the Sphinx, but it's not. In terms of geology, that is a, that is incredibly controversial to claim that erosion happened that fast on sure. limestone. <laughs> yeah, so it's controversial ridiculous. on both ends. You know, it's weird. That's what I was saying. He sort of picked a happy medium. So yeah. you could say you you could say that more. It's more likely that it's older. Yeah. In that, looking at it that way, is my point. Right, you know, it's more well, likely that it's older than his conservative date of twelve thousand ish. You know, roughly around twelve thousand years old. How old do you think it is? Oh, I have no idea. I just don't. I definitely think it's very old. I just don't think. I de- I'm not a geologist, so I don't know. But we we are surrounded by limestone where we live here, right? Well, I'll, but, I'll 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 make it. I'll just say so. I think it's I think it's going to line up with the the heliacal rising of Leo on the on the spring equinox. Which so, one? Mm-hmm. It'll be twelve thousand years old, and or 